Hello, thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Wise Content Creates Wealth. You've heard that content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Wise content is data intelligence driven storytelling content created for promotional purposes. It's the heart of modern marketing. And without it, digital marketers will fall behind their competition, lose connectivity with their customers, and ultimately fail at being profitable and successful. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, and I'm a marketing technology expert. I'm also an award-winning content producer who can create incredibly detailed, high-quality articles and other types of content. Additionally, I lead content teams that produce thousands of pieces of content a month for Fortune 500 companies. My company is Galileo Tech Media, which executes on creating wise content and marketing campaigns. Today, we're going to talk about content and uh, award-winning content, like Oscar award-winning content and Emmy award-winning content, and how it's created with one of the leading uh, guys in that field. But first, I have a little story to tell about, you know, I like to tell stories of how some sort of content has made major changes in the world. On January 15th in 2015, a Twitter user and activist named April Rain first tweeted the hashtag OscarSoWhite, and she put it in the context of OscarSoWhite, they asked to touch my hair. Um, and an immediate response to all 20 acting nominations for the, that year's upcoming Academy Award uh, is being given to white male actors. Within that day, the hashtag became viral and was trending on Twitter. Many Twitter users and prominent people of color in the film industry ripped on the hashtag with humor, but not without also leveling serious criticisms against the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Oscar So White hashtag was the catalyst for an enduring social justice campaign. In 2016, the Academy announced its slate of acting nominations for the upcoming awards, and then once again, it was exclusively composed of white actor, actors. The hashtag Oscar So White was uh, revived, ensuring that the spotlight continued to be on long existing inequities in the awards recognition as well as the larger Hollywood film industry for lacking authentic representation of diverse peoples. Now, there's lots of uh, debate upon why that is, uh, but critics of the Academy asserted that nothing would change in the way of recognition as long as its memberships, and hence the voting body, was still mostly white men. Um, the argument that with such a homogeneous voting body would, not, would be, always be less inclined to advocate for films that do not represent their experiences films that represent the experience of the marginalized. So the Academy responded to the second wave of criticism to 2016, 2016 with an announcement of set goals to invite a, invite a wider breadth of actors and filmmakers to join their ranks by 2020, which would ultimately make the Academy Awards voting body more diverse in gender, race, and ethnicity. And as of June, 2020, the Academy Board announced that it was actually surpassed its goals of inclusion. And the new member class was 45% women, 36% underrepresented ethnic racial community, communities and 49% international from 68 countries. Um, and while the, uh, while the, the, the Academy sought to make these actionable changes to the demographics of its membership, there are still those who feel this is sufficient systematic change for Hollywood. But I, I, I say that that representation is 
uh, a major change in how they were operating, and it was accomplished by a hashtag campaign. Uh, you know, one piece of content started something that sp spiraled into a major change, and that is the point of uh, wives' content. You know, I'm you know uh, many of you might know I'm a political animal, and I have my opinions upon the politics of this. But that's not what I'm uh, being pointing uh, out right now. I'm pointing out the fact that um, that one piece of content made such a major change. I personally have had the experience of doing uh, a tweet uh, that went viral and caused 50,000 signups for uh, a mommy product within an hour and crashed the servers. So, you know, and it was done through research about the proper time of day and the, uh, and the nature of the, uh, of the, what was supposed to be given away and the way, the nature of how you, you promoted it and understanding of how, what the, um, what the uh, you know, the, the, that particular niche community reacted. And in this case, I knew that all the free offer sites picked up things at around 11 a.m. and copied from each other and put it all out. So I timed the tweet with the right content. At that time, it got picked up by all the free offer people. They went out and threw, threw it out in a lot of places. Then other people picked it up. They got a big jump, and then a lot of people picked it up and shared it, and boom. You know, it was it was a huge success. So that is, uh, in a way, the, the simple essence of wise content is using data and a knowledge of your audience uh, to uh, create a, a, a huge uh, uh, promotional bump. I have a guest today uh, who knows a little bit about this. He's an Emmy-nominated uh, uh, exec, um, um, executive producer and creative director. His name is Rich Bornstein, and he, and he owns a company called Bornstein Media, which creates cutting-edge visual campaigns to establish and enhance and accelerate companies and brands to the next level. And as a marketing head and executive, so studios such as Goldwyn, Warner, and Brothers, and Paramount, his work led to numerous Oscar and Emmy Award wins, wins and nominations. Hello, Rich. Hey, how are you, Joseph? Thanks for having me. It's, we were talking uh, about it earlier. It's been a long time trying to set this one up, so I'm so glad. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, I had, a, <laughs> I, had a, I had a, I told you about my adventures in babysitting this last six months. Right. <laughs> no, so that that's great. And I solved it. I solved my problems with another viral uh, story. So, right. you know, I uh, I believe in what you and I do. But uh, you right. started your career as a sports reporter. Yes. Where yes. was that, and how did that happen? Hey, you know what? That's what I wanted to be. You know, that was what I just grew up thinking. You know, I love sports. I wanted to do it. So, I had an opportunity. Um, went down to I was living here in Southern California so I had an opportunity to go to Long Beach press telegram and and write sports that's what I did you know and um and and you know what it taught me was cuz I didn't you know you don't just come on the scene and get to cover major sports you got to do the you know the lesser things so I would always do a lot of the obscure features and things like that and it and it basically hit home something that I had read from John Gregory Dunn years earlier which was sports writing was the search for an angle it was positioning what you were going to write about and so that you know because the, the the days of you know so and so won four to three those those days were over so it really taught me how to find the nuggets and stories get the nuggets out of people and it's kind of what i've lived my professional life you know with that experience um i ended up covering gymnastics in the 84 olympics um I was a young man. I'm not that old now, but uh, and and that was the year that the the women's gymnastics, um, 
you know, blew up. That was Mary Lou Retton and you know, oh, I remember that, yeah, and all that. So <laughs> I, I just I happened to be, you know, at, at the the right place at the right time, and then and then it led me to to Warner Brothers, but that's a separate story. So uh, what? Uh, yeah, you, you were a writer, so you were creating content. So yes, uh, yeah, always. What what was uh yeah, and you mentioned some aspects of it, but what would you think is your most important uh, takeaway going from that and jumping to other your careers that uh, about content and how to make it uh, viral in a sense, uh, even in the old-fashioned day of newspapers? Right. <laughs> well, I, you know, like I said, the, the the idea is anybody can write a story, anybody can do an interview, I think, but the idea is what makes it interesting. What makes that person that's sitting across from you or next to you or whatever, what really is going to get people interested in their in their story? That's the biggest thing that I took away from. I realized if I could get those nuggets and and how how do how did I do that? Well, research, which I think you referred to earlier, is is crucial. I'd always look for a little little try to look for a little bit of information so I could uh, re refer to it in the interview so they knew that they were, you know, whoever my subject was, that I wasn't just somebody like filling out the form. And I noticed when I got that emotional connection with the subject, I was going to get a much better interview. So um, that was the biggest thing that I took away from. I think, I think that's important. I think that's important to, to this day, to this moment, to, you know, before this uh, a moment again on the podcast, I was researching, right? I think researching is what makes uh you know it makes the difference between good content and great content right yeah and so we, you made a jump yeah i did yeah but you know you said something earlier well we, yeah. i don't mean Go to ahead. jump ahead yeah. but you know what's interesting you you sent out a tweet that went you know that went viral that you know made you a folk hero which which you know god bless you because you know we should all we should all have those moments I had something similar back when I was working at Goldwyn um, on a movie called The Madness of King George. And that was based on a book called, uh, or a, a, a play that was about uh, George V, I believe. And so I, I went around and I started telling people, hey, the only reason we changed the name is because we didn't want people to think that they missed, that they missed the first four parts of it and, <laughs> and that this was a sequel. And I got worldwide coverage on that. I mean, you know, people picked it up. So it was kind of, it was pretty in the pre-tweet days, but again, it was the it's same a, kind of thing. A, and you'd be surprised to say, well, really? Yeah, yeah, really? What what happened in the first four parts? Like, oh, come on, you know, like whatever. <laughs> but, but so, you know, what goes around comes around. Well, um, I, think, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think cleverness always counts. You right. know what I mean? Right. And, and the, the right clever line, uh, it can sometimes be more than all the uh, other things that you can do. Right. We have to take it. We already got to take our first break. I, I was long winded in the first part, but I usually am. And we'll come back and talk more about your career and then get it, then dig into what you think about content. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast and my guest Rich Bornstein. So Rich, you know when you when you when you when you, you look at the sports um, reporters of the past and you know and now even when I look at you, you think of the uh, in some ways of that hard-boiled guy that you know is sitting in the in the back room talking to the people drinking you know having a cigar and drinking beer and so there you are a young guy coming into the sports world and doing this and then all of a sudden you jumped to Warner's brother in the publicity department. That's sort of a big career change. What made that happen? Well, you know, I mean, we laugh about it now. I laugh about it, but it was it was a big deal because I used to say you have ink in your veins when you're a newspaper guy. And yeah. how how dare you, you know, make the leap to publicity? So I just looked in the crystal ball. Basically, I was doing a lot of freelance writing and I did a story on Bill Bixby, who you might may may remember. He oh. was in um, the original My Favorite Martian. He was in The Courtship of Eddie's Father. I mean, I mean, as a kid, who didn't love that show, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, he, you know, he did, he did a lot of things. And so I, I was dealing with somebody from Warner Brothers. And I said, hey, what do you do besides sit in in my interviews, you know, or set my interviews up? I said, can I come out and pick your brain? And he said, sure, don't just talk to me. You should talk to my boss. And I said, yeah, okay, great. And it ended up being a job interview. Um, and um, uh, I don't know, my, <clears throat> you know, I, I actually put a tie on, which was ridiculous. And, um, <laughs> um, and I sat in there and he said, well, would you consider what I consider doing what they do? And I said, and I said, sure. They said, well, would you consider doing it for X amount of dollars? And I went like, and I mean, I had to hold myself up on the, on the couch because, <laughs> you know, I wasn't really making much money as a sports writer. I was, again, looking, there were some factors. Um, you know, my boss at the time used to say to me, oh, you know, when I first moved here, I, I lived room and board for 90 bucks a week. And I lived here and I go, dude, the world, the world's changed. But yes. anyway, so I, yeah, I jumped at it and it was, and it was career changing, obviously, but it was life changing. And, um, 
my initial goal was to continue to write and do freelance stuff, which I did. But when you get working, you just can't. So my writing was um, limited to, to what I was doing professionally. But here's a great story. So we were redoing the press kits for Warner Brothers TV. And so he had, my boss had mocked up this thing and it was all going to be, you know, Greek lettering in it. He said, oh, it doesn't matter. And I said, that's ridiculous. It should be real if, if this is going to have all our press materials. He said, well, you do whatever you want. So I wrote the history of Warner Brothers television, which had not been done, okay, before. And it went on all of our press kits. Okay, so now we flash forward. I've started my own company in the 2000s at some point. I'm in Warner Brothers and I'm waiting for some interview to start. And I see, an old, I see a press kit. And I said, oh. I said, why do you have my old press kits laying around there? And they said, what do you mean? Oh, that's, that's brand new. They, they used them like 20, 30, 40, you know, they, they were still using what I created that my boss said, oh yeah, do it if you want to. So it just, you know, it was, it was kind of fun. It kind of made me feel good for five seconds. You know, that's, that's great. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, it's uh, interesting because I mean, the sports writing, you think about it is, is all about writing content, but once you get into publicity, it, it, besides the relationships that you have to have, it becomes about content, right? It, it, you know, the world has changed. Uh, yeah. I don't need to tell you. In those days, it was important that you could write, that you could right. express yourself, that you had a pitch. You just, you didn't call somebody and say, you know, hey, I want, you know, so-and-so. You actually had to have an angle. You know why? You know I, I need you to. You know I want you to talk to so and so. Why? And then it. Well, not just because he or she's in a new project, but what makes it interesting? And I think those days are changed now. It's like what names you have and and all that kind of thing. Well, if you do something here, then I'll do it for you there. Yeah. You know, when I started, it was really about developing relationships and giving them a reason to you know be interested in whatever you were talking about. So. Um, well, I think I think you know I think that the, the PR world, in some degrees, hasn't realized that. Yeah, the 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 they they the relationships and that what you're talking about is an important part of it. But you know, the content marketing has really taken a lot of what PR used to do. You know, SEO things like that, and so which is all content driven. It's dramatically content driven, <clears throat> and you know, I don't see PR firms becoming that hybrid PR slash SEO firms that they should, right? And, uh, you know, and I think that content writing is eventually going to become hugely important for the big PR firms. But uh, there's no question. There, there is really no question about, um, um, you know, that it's all interrelated. I mean, look, I don't do as, I can do it for you. If you came to me and I'd say, hey, you know, this is what I think you, you ought to do, Joseph. And you yeah. said, if you agree with me, then we do it. For me, it's a little harder because I, I hear the sound of my own voice and I go, oh, God, you sound awful. You know, and I look and I go, wait, wait, wait. You used to have a forehead. Now I got a five head. Oh, I don't really like myself on camera. And you so, still have hair. Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> not according to my friends. They all I got tell some me that, up here now. That's yeah, <laughs> not according to my friends. They say you don't have anything. So, uh, you know, I, you know I, there's I, a little bit, you know. I, but, I uh, cut all my hair off in, when I was in the 90s when I was 35 because <laughs> it was going and I just went with it. You know, the funny thing was, is the, the first day I did it, I, I also got interviewed by CNN for something. It was, it was like a man in the street thing, but they told me when I was going to be on the TV and I told my mom to go watch it. I was going to be on TV and she goes, watch it. And she said, you did not tell me you shaved your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's but, interesting. That's why I like to shoot myself up here 
yeah. you know, so I don't, you know, yeah. so it doesn't become a six head, you know, yeah. but I get it. I get, but you rock it, Joseph. Yeah, I don't I know where I can pull that off. I've got the great profile, so it's, it works. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you ended up, then you had stints at Paramount Pictures, head of national film, uh, feature film publicity, then Sam, Samuel Golden is the head of worldwide marketing. Yeah. You had some great success. You got any stories you want to tell us from that? Well, there's a few stories. I mean, you know, um, I really, you know, I, a lot of people like talk about American Gladiators because um, when we started out, it was just, you know, we were, it was a TV show and, and, and the criticism that we got with the demise of television, what's going to be next, public executions and all this kind of crap. That we got. I mean, I mean, I got calls from people around the world, from people like George Will, that wanted to do a piece on it. And and TV Guide made great fun of us, which at that time was the most um, widely circulated magazine that was out there. But but in looking back, you realize that what we were doing is the became the future of television. It was a reality show, okay. And you know, look, we learned along the way, you know what what potholes to to avoid in other words when we first started we we were going to give everybody those wrestling personalities but it was real competition so we invited all the press out and it was packed and yeah. for our first taping and we had this character by the name of malibu and there was this one event where they would people would go like from 40 feet away i think and they would fly through the air and they try to knock the guy off his pedestal and the guy, and he missed time from the pad, and the guy actually had a, a footprint right here on his forehead, and it knocked him. I mean, sent him flying. He had to go to the he had to go to the to the uh, emergency room. He had twenty something stitches, I believe. Oh, and then God. he came back and he met with the press, and the press said, "Well, God, you know that that looked pretty ugly." And he goes, "Oh, hey man, I'm Malibu. I just went down and got some. You know, I went to the beach, got some, grabbed some rays, and I'm good to go." And I could see. <laughs> And I could see the media at that moment go, this is bullshit. So, uh -huh. and we realized that the, those nonsensical uh, personalities that we had actually scripted, you know, what they want, what we want them to be, where it had to, it had to go right then and there. Ah, because cool. it was that real. Authenticity. It was uh -huh. real. And, and that's why it persevered. And, and look, there's been so many copycat shows from that. I mean, American Ninja Warriors, I think is on now. I mean, like, I mean, they've been so many copycat shows, all from that simple premise of mono and mono. And and I, I actually went around the country with the producers um, using my skills in an interviewer where we would find, you know, we would interview people and then we go back and they would go back and figure out who they wanted on the show. So uh, that, that was actually that was that was fun. That was a gold win, which was, a, a, you know, that was a studio known for prestigious art films. So the fact yeah. that we were dealing with Shakespeare or what other serious films and doing American Gladiators, it was fantastic. It really was. It really was a great time. So, um, you know, the question, you know, I think that you're a brand expert, right? And so don't you think that the days when the brand cannot live authentically to what they're doing is sort of over and you really have to be authentic to the brand now? Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, look, first of all, you're a keystroke away from being discovered. So, I mean, you have to be authentic. And that's where the emotional connection comes in. That's where um, storytelling comes in. Because if you look, what's going to set you apart from everybody else that does what you do? If you listen to even the, the um, 
you know, even the ads that leading up to uh, us talking today, telling your story, why content is important, you know, let's differentiate ourselves. And all that, all that is, is it's, it's emotional connection. It's being authentic and telling people why they need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And then I have my own theories about, you know, how best to do that. But, you know, you do it more in the printed side of things. It sounds like I believe in the power of video. You combine the two and you've hit a home run. Well, you know, the, my, this is my foray into podcasting is the realization that, uh, you know, you know, in my, in my field, SEO and content marketing, it has been a lot of print, but now it's becoming more heavy in video and I need to, you know, I need to get into the, this space and understand it, you know, and you know, you got these audio, audio only platforms like Clubhouse and things like that. So the world's changing again. And, you know, so it all, it's become a holistic approach to content. Well, right. you know, because you have me on, on the show, I'll give you a special deal. We'll talk afterwards. and then. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a lot of ways to incorporate video. And, and really, that's, to me, that's, that's the only way to, the yeah. most effective way to get your point across. Yeah. Um, they've done the studies, 90% of retention, 90% plus more effective. I mean, yeah. there's a reason people are reading the newspaper. They're, they're, taking the sound bites well, honestly you know in seo we started looking and you know we we run some ai uh, protocols to understand what content's working and we were doing it for construction companies big construction recently right, right? and you know we look for something called share of voice what content's got share of voice 60 mm-hmm. percent of the share of voice for these con- construction industry was video right right i'm in seo all right, so now all of a sudden it changes your whole game. You've got to go create a bunch of video content. Listen, so. I, I've had conversations. We this one company was wronged. A, a construction company was wronged by someone. They went and we had we went out and created them protesting. And then you know I interviewed the guy like you know well why? And so yeah, it's 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 every industry. And when people realize that it's every industry, it's not like oh yeah. I mean I I, I have the same conversations with nonprofits. Yeah, you better differentiate yourself, especially now where the dollars are tighter. You yeah. you better and tell your story. Why you got to do, do the whole content thing. So we need to take a break, and we'll come back. I want to get really dig into your philosophy, of content, and what you do. All right. All right. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on TalkRadio.nyc every Tuesday night from six p.m. to seven. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges 
business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast and my guest, Rich Bornstein. So Rich, I see in your LinkedIn profile, you call yourself a magic content creator. So what is magic content or is it magic content creator? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because you, you can't just go out and say I create content. You have, to, you have to position yourself. I like to think it's magic. Again, I, I believe that I can grab those nuggets out of you that I can do my research and then I can showcase what it is that makes you special. That's why I call it magic content creator. Um, Cause I'm not just, I'm not just going ABCD. I'm actually delving into what really is special about you, your company, your product, your project, because that's what life is about. I mean, it really is what our lives are about. What, what do you pay attention to? I mean, you pay attention to the things that connect with you on an emotional level because we're getting bombarded from the time we get up to the time we go to bed. So emotions are the, are the things that drive us. And so everything now is, it's, it's all a personal story. And that's, it's how you tell that personal story that differentiates you, in my opinion. Do you think that's, that is um, why content is so important now? Is it that there's that, that authentic, authentic touch of emotion that you have to reach somehow? Absolutely. Hey, look, and things are fleeting. I mean, I'm stunned. I mean, could there have been a hotter company than Peloton? You know, come on, Peloton and all that stuff. They're gone. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, but that just shows you how fleeting it is. You know, one moment you're on top of the world, the next, you know, you're, you know, you're valued. They just did some, they did some really bad <laughs> videos. Yeah, they, they did. But yeah. what I'm saying is one day you're emotionally connected and the next day you're, you know, you're, you're gone. And so well, that, that's that is the flip side of why, of what, you know, wise content is unwise content, yeah, where you, ab- absolutely. which goes viral and destroys you. Right. Well, it used to be, you know, it used to be, you know, the, the way they say any publicity, there's no such thing as bad publicity. That's not true. I mean, that that's not true anymore. I mean, in the days of, in our, you know, today's world and social media where it's all driven by that. I mean, yeah, bad publicity can kill you um, uh, from a business standpoint. So that's why you got to be careful with stuff. It is, you know, though, you know, I think we, unfortunately we do have a polarized society. So bad publicity in one tribe can be good publicity in the other, right? Well, there's that. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I, I technically had bad publicity in rural North Carolina when I did a vaccine mandate, but it was good publicity to get a national audience to come to my little mountain resort. Right. So, uh, yeah, so it happens. So, right. you know, you, uh, obviously, um, you know, in our, our, our discussion, you know, you used to be a writer, but now you're mostly in video and you are a big proponent of video content. Uh, why? Well, again, you are your best spokesperson, generally mm-hmm. speaking. 
again, we always point out all the flaws in ourselves. Like I said, I can't stand my own voice. I don't like my receding hairline. You know, maybe I'm a few pounds heavier than I really want to be. But you're still you're still the best person to tell your story. And how do you do that? I mean, you're gonna write you're gonna you're gonna write something that nobody's gonna read. That's you know you're gonna write a business plan. No, it's just you. It's you being authentic. It's you just talking directly to the camera, or if someone's interviewing you, you know, setting it up a certain way, just saying, "Hey, I, I got into this because." And I believe in this. I mean, look at everything that that we sticks with us today. I mean, you like the nuts.com guy. He says, yeah, my grandfather started this all the time. And well, that differentiates them. It's a family business. You know, he talks about the the, the love that goes into it. Okay. And boom, all of a sudden now it's not, not just nuts.com. Oh, that's a, a great family that's been doing it. Okay. Um, you know, it's the real estate guy that says, we're not discount realtors. We are professional realtors. We just give it to you less expensive, um, you know, at a, more, at, a, at a rate that you're going to enjoy. That's creating a bond with your audience. And that's why I believe in it. And what's, what's the best way to do that? Video. Because yeah. people want to see you. They don't just want to hear you. And they sure as heck don't want to read. They don't want to read it because they won't. I mean, um, it's just what it is. So in you know in con- and, you know in written content and the content I've been used to you know there, mm-hmm. there's yeah you know, we we go through the phases you got to get you got to overcome people not liking you right um, and then they got to be non-skeptical then you actually get that you have to do something to get them to take an action. What do you do in video to actually get, you know go from getting them to like you to actually get them to take an action? Well, I mean you know one of the things that I that I'm most proud of and this is post. Um, you know, the movie and TV stuff. Um, so Adobe came to me a few years ago now, and they were, they were, they were basically changing their business model. Not that they explained any of this to me, but they were changing their business model and they were creating, um, they, they wanted After Effects to be part of every, anybody who was doing any sort of editing at all, they wanted After Effects to be part of the vernacular, like boom. And they were changing their business model because back in the day, as you recall, you used to have to get a disc and put, you know, and, and you had to get a piece of software. And all of a sudden they're saying, no, we're going to download it and anybody can have it and it's going to be affordable and all that kind of good stuff. Well, what, how do you do that? You just say, hey, we made After Effects affordable. We're going to do it. No, there was a story. There was a story to tell. And the story was. They took a big movie by Martin Scorsese. It was, it was called The Aviator, okay? And they, they hired a, um, uh, an Academy Award-winning uh, uh, effects person by the name of Rob Lugato, who is, you know, one of the most renowned, celebrated uh, <clears throat> people in the industry. And, and, and I sat with him, and he showed us on any computer, all you needed was the software. You didn't need a million-dollar machine anymore how he created the effects for the aviator. Remember that had Kate Blanchett, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. Scorsese. It was, it was considered a big movie. And he said, Rob said to me, and this is the, the example of a nugget that, that I'm proud of, is he said, he said, for a movie that was this big, the, you know, the effects budget was this big. And so I had to come up with creative ways in order to make it feel big and stay within the budget. Boom. That spoke to people. They took my five-minute video and shopped it around the world, 
and it became it was a it was a company changing um, event. Now, I'd love to tell you that I was smart enough to realize that I was changing the software industry, but to me, I was just doing a gig, and it was like um, I was just so pleased that that he was able to make those points and I was able to capture it. And we got a lot of great feedback on that. I'll give you another example. You know, I used to do a lot of work in the diabetes community. So one of the things that I was, again, these are the nuggets that I'm talking about video wise. So I was doing a piece on Leslie West, who sadly passed away, I think within the last year, he was the guitarist from Mountain, truly one of the greatest uh, guitarists probably that walked the planet. And and diabetes caught up with him. So I, I, he did two interviews after he lost his leg to diabetes. He did one with Howard Stern and one with me. I was after him for a year to get this interview with him. And he said, and, and our thing was testing. You know, people needed to test. And he said, testing? What, what the hell did I know about testing my blood sugar? I tested a microphone. There's my nugget. I knew there was my nugget. So it's, those are the kinds of things that you're looking for. Because if he just says, yeah, I lost my leg, you're going to go, okay, great. That's really sad. But he was able to illustrate it from a, from a, you know, he said, he said, I wasn't spelt like George Clooney. He says, I, I existed on Twinkies. And, you know, when the doctor said, you know, so, so you got diabetes, he goes, I didn't care. I was, a, you know, I was a rock star. I didn't give a shit, you know? So I think those things were, were um, those little nuggets were always the things that, and they really play well on video when you capture them. I, so finding those nuggets in the video is what the call to action is. It's uh at that moment where they say, oh, I can identify with that. And this is the action he took. And I should do that too. Yeah. It's All like right? a, I'm doing some work for these group of doctors that are starting this virtual assistance um, company. Um, and one of the things that one of the doctors says, he says, doctors just want to be doctors. This mm-hmm. allows us to be doctors. We don't have to sit there. We have now we have a company that, you know, that will do all the vetting. I don't have to, you know, go through whatever. I, it's, I save money. There's your nugget. That's your call to action. And it's your nugget. And, mm-hmm. the, and, the, and so it's not like, oh, yeah, we're, we're starting a VA company. Who cares? Yeah. But, but they're speaking to a group of people. And, and what better line is it than doctors just want to be doctors? I mean, you know, that's there. There you are. And those are the kind of things that. What is your what is your uh, process or, or philosophy of, of accomplishing getting that nugget or building this content? Well, I mean, I think part of it is a lot of it's research. You know, again, it, it, I go back to my writing background and go, what's going to make this interesting to the most people? What's what's your target audience? Um, you know, how do you reach them? Well, you know, what mistake people make is they think um, you, you should always play to your strength. You don't go after your weakness and, you know, the, oh, I know I'm going to get those people. You play to your strength. So who is your target audience and what's going to make them prick up their ears and say and become a believer, become a champion of you? So that's that's part of my process. Just like like if they said, hey, do it, you know, do a story on you. I would research you. I would figure out, you know, what makes you know, what makes you interesting, at least in my opinion. I mean, I obviously grab the story about, you know, your um vaccine mandate and how you turned a negative into a positive there's your nugget okay but again that should that, that doesn't happen by magic that's hard work that's asking questions that's not being afraid to saying well, what about this what about that and um maybe it's a natural in, uh i'm naturally inquisitive naturally curious um and i just carry that over to my work i mean you can't be i guess you can be timid but 
it's a little harder to get those nuggets if you're if you're kind of in the background and not willing to ask ask the questions. And uh, what would uh, you know? Some company wanting to do video content, what mistakes should they avoid? Uh, well, I think the mistake that most people make, and this is just my opinion, is they think, "Oh, I was just interviewed on CNN. I'm going to run that piece." Okay, I was just on, um, you know, I was just on CNBC. I'm going to run that piece. That's that's the common mistake. Nobody's going to pay attention to that. Oh, great! They're, you know, the, those are only going to be the fans that are going to pay attention to that. What they need is is the voice of the company, and that's you know I'm, uh, I can't stress that enough. If you are the head of the company, now if you don't like your voice, if you think you're not a good spokesman, fine. We will find a way to tell a story where we're using your words and telling your story, but we'll do it a different way because you're truly not camera ready. I get it. That's okay. But the mistake that people make is they think, oh, I, you know, I would, I just spoke at this convention. I'll just run that video. That's not video. That's not video marketing. That's not video storytelling. That's not wise content. That's just laziness, in my opinion. And I don't think it does you any good. It, it, the only people that are going to look at that piece are people that already love you. So right. you're not, it's not really going to help your outreach. Yeah, you just put, yeah, I was on the show. But your yeah. voice needs to cut through. And I think every company I think can. I think that's so that. important. I think that's whether it's written content or video content. You know, you got to know the audience and then your voice has got to come through, you know, or it's just not working anymore. So it's important. So we have to take another break and then uh, we'll finish up. We can tell us a little bit about what your company does and, uh, and uh, you know, and some, some whatnot. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast and my guest, Rich Bornstein. So, Rich, 
you're working for some big companies and then you decide to go out and form your own company. How come? You know, it kind of happened by accident. I, you know, when I, when I left gold, when I got a call from uh, Sundance, they were starting a new uh, TV uh, outlet became Sundance TV. And they said, look, you know, movies, you know, TV, you know, marketing, you know, let's, let's do this. So I thought it was going to be a few month gig and I ended up working with them. They wanted me to move to New York, but um, there was no way I could move to New York um, back in, at the time. And um, so I realized, wow, I could work. I could work in my sweats. I could work in my shorts, you know, and cause we'd be on these conference calls that basically last all day long. Okay. We'll reconvene in an hour. So, and then I remember the guy that it was Robert Redford's right-hand man at the time said, Rich, it was one of those days I never got out of my bathrobe. And I went like, oh my God, yeah. Because me too, I'd wake up, take my kids to school, put my shorts on, i go in the room and that would be the end of that. I realized this is okay. And then from then, people started coming to me and going, hey, Rich, you want to do this? And I said, yeah. You want to go to Ireland and you know do some behind the scenes? Yeah, okay. You want to do this? You want to cut a trailer for us? Yeah. All the things that I had supervised, but not really done for myself i did it for other people and then i realized i actually enjoy this and and i don't need that nine to five grind now now that the kids are you know out of the house do i wish i had that huge you know uh income you know that you know that that from working at the studios all this yeah yeah i do i'm not going to lie about that but i don't regret anything i was able to coach little league i was able to do many things that i wouldn't have done um had I, you know, had I been tethered to a big studio job and, um, so you yeah, know, that, that's your own business, it's an up and down thing. You, have it, those you know, it is. And, and look, yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people that I work all the time when I'm walking the dog, I'm working. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I get up in the morning, I'm working. So I'm not, I've never been a, someone that's been able to compartmentalize. So my brain's always clicking. In fact, you know, one of the things I learned is that when I get, you know, frustrated or angry or whatever, go for a walk. And then all of a sudden what seems unsolvable becomes solvable. Um, and I think when you're, when you're at a high level job, the emotions are so high that I think sometimes you forget that you think, you know, you just use your, your position and, and you probably take advantage of that. So I try to fold those things. And I mean, what I tell people, cause a lot of people look at me, especially when I'm dealing with other entrepreneurs well, you know, if you worked on all this Oscar stuff, what do you want to help us for? I love telling stories. If yeah. I can help you get to the next level, if I can help you launch and and become successful, that makes me feel really good. Why? Because you're a real person. Okay, you know, you're you're providing for your family or whatever your goals are. That that you know, there's something to be said for for you know being able to do that. So I enjoy the big and the little. Um, and as a matter of fact, you know, some of the people, you know, that, that have the little ideas that get bigger, they're really fun. I mean, it's, it's really exciting to be able to take them, you know, to the other level and bring the experiences that I've had and kind of keep the philosophy so they, so they can, you know, they can do it. And that's really, you know, what, what I do. So you, you help uh, companies build the, the create the video. Do you also help them how to use that video to, to do effective marketing? Yeah, what I do, I have a pretty straightforward philosophy. Uh, first of all, even though I do go longer sometimes, 
I think your main video really should not be more than two minutes. I mean, they've done studies. Most people will not watch a two minute video all the way through if they don't have right, a vested yeah. interest. Yeah. But I, but still I use a 90 second and two minutes. That's, that's the main one. And then I cut that down to a 60. That's for um, Instagram. Um, can't be any more than a 60. And then I do a 30 uh, for Twitter because you can't run anything more than that. And I tell people, okay, these are the tools that you're going to need. Also, the shorter ones are your outreach for your email outreach. So I do teach people, try to, you know, try to tell them how to do it. One conversation I had with somebody um, was just with these doctors. You know, he said, well, we're going after doctors. And I had interviewed like uh, his chief of staff, one of the nurses, and she said it. I said, there's your Instagram piece. <clears throat> because, well, that doctors aren't looking at Instagram. I go, I know, but the people that are hiring that want to use your service are. And her voice is talking to them. And look, I can't force them to do it. All I can yeah. do is create the content and say, here it is. But, you know, I believe strongly in that. No, that's, that's good. You know, what you say resonates. Even 10 years ago, I was working with a lot of personal injury lawyers. Even back then, they had a need for video uh, content. And what they needed a lot of was testimonials from clients. Yeah, right? and that's but they couldn't be they couldn't be very long. People wouldn't right. watch them, but right. it could be a minute. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. I do a lot of testimonials, you know, and there's an art to doing that too. Because the guy, you know, one guy says, "Well, I just use anybody," and I go, "No, it's you still got to tell. It's still got to be a story. It's still got to look. It's still got to look professional. It still mm -hmm. needs to resonate with your audience. You can't just throw it against the wall and say, oh, yeah, that, that's good enough.' That's not really how the world works. And so." Um, you're right. Testimonials are very, very important. But again, there's an art to doing those, in my opinion, as well. Um, you can't have a six minute testimonial and think it's going to help. Yeah. So the name of the company is Bornstein Media. How, how do people find out more about you? Uh, well, they can, you know, they can look me up on LinkedIn. They can, you know, go to my website, BornsteinMedia.com. Um, you know, hopefully I'm all over the Internet, maybe not as much as I'd like to be because I don't. I'm just starting my own video series, you know, you know, but sometimes I get busy working for other people, but that's really the easiest way. Um, and if they call you or reach out yeah, to they you, can call me. What's, yeah. What's, what's, what's your process? What's your process to onboard somebody? To get well, it's, you know, I want to find out what their pain points are. I want to find out what their challenges are. I want to, I want to find out what keeps them up at night and I want to find out their goals. Um, I, I, I call myself a solutionist. Because I've never had the ability or the or really the privilege of saying, I don't know. I mean, I might say that I don't have an instant, but I, I've always had to come up with solutions to whatever the challenge is. And I pride myself on that. So I want to know what I want to know the person's or the company or the product or the project's um, challenges are. Like I said, what what their pain points are, what what their goals, what their specific goals are. Not, I want to rule the world. Okay, that's great. Right. We all want yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> I do. I mean, I... <laughs> but they're attainable goals. But yeah. you know what the steps are, and then I—that's really my. It, it's a very simple conversation, um, and we're either a good fit or we're not. I mean, it's it's um, you know the the frustrating part of it is when I talk to people and I know that I could help them. And then they, they, they put me on the back burner. They say, oh, you know, well, I've spent such, you know, I've spent all this on this. And I yeah. go, well, you're silly. I mean, you know, 
You spent a gazillion dollars on a coach, but, but it hasn't helped you because you still need the next part of it. What's yeah. the next part? You need to create content, wise content, as you put it, to help yeah. you, to differentiate you, to, to, to cut through the noise. And, and, you need uh, a, and, and you need a magic content creator to create wise content. Absolutely. That's so, why you and I, that's why you and I are going to work together yeah. in the future, right? So I, I want to thank you being on the show. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I think that uh, this, this will be an, an episode that will repeat several times. So um, this is uh, the you know, wise, wealth, uh, wise Content Creates Wealth podcast. It's on the talkradio.nyc network. Um, where there's a lot of live podcasts. I recommend you investigating uh, talkradio.nyc to find some content that might be worthwhile to listen to. It right? ranges from, from uh, business to travel to New York to self-help, all sorts of things. In fact, I run a separate podcast on this network called Gateway to the Smokies. It talks about uh, my, my uh, tourism uh, resort and areas in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Uh, and that's on Tuesdays from uh, from um, six to seven, and this one runs every Friday from uh, one to two. And I appreciate everybody being here. My company is Galileo Tech Media. Go to GalileoTechMedia.com to find out more about the services of content marketing, SEO, and creating wise content um, there. Again, thank you very much, and see you guys next week. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. 
Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about help to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc.